This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Uh, I didn't realize it when we left Thursday, but it was quite the weekend in professional bass fishing. We had a, a chalice that was won by... Over in, uh, I should have done more research on that one. I saw Scott Martin had it. Uh, USA Bassin, the Black Bass World Championships in uh, Portugal. And a little come from behind victory for Team USA. We had uh, Scott Canterbury, David Fritz, Scott Martin, Freddie Boom Boom, Rambanis, DC, uh, Dustin Connell, uh, Jacob Wheeler, a dream team that went over to... Uh, to Portugal, they talk, uh, I think they have 73.57 pounds, and then day one uh, was a little bit worse than day two. Anyway, 20 countries, Team USA comes back and wins. They win the Golden Chalice. Uh, we also had a back-to-back Bass Nation champion, which I believe is the first time that has ever happened, Will Davis, uh, we'll bring in our, our gay today's guest. I want to know if he, if he knows, uh, if he knows what's, what's up Jordan Lee. How's it going guys? Good. Are you, uh, are you familiar with Will Davis? He's a Bama dude, isn't he? Yeah, man. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I can't remember the last time I've talked to Will, but you know, it's kind of funny. There's a couple guys on the elite series now that I remember when I was like in high school or actually probably junior high, maybe. Maybe like like ninth or tenth grade fishing like a, in a junior club, and those guys fishing like Justin Hamner. I remember him fishing this tournament at Logan Martin, and I remember Will Davis too. And yeah, he's been around. I mean, he's he fishes the Coosa River. I kind of fish up Tennessee River, so we don't really cross paths a ton. But uh, yeah, man, what a what an accomplishment! Uh, pretty it impressive. Back, back to back, back. is Alabama kind of like that. So, like, I mean, we look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's pretty – I mean, if you fish Oklahoma, you fish from Grand to Texoma. I mean, you yeah. fish the whole state. And then we just assume other states are like that. And then you get out kind of on the West Coast and you realize it's like a 20-hour drive from Southern California wow. to North. Is Alabama like that? Are there, like, North Alabama anglers and Central yeah. Alabama anglers and South Alabama anglers? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you got Coosa River guys. Okay. And – then you got pretty much a Tennessee River guys, I guess. I mean, and they don't really totally different breed of anglers. Like, is a Coosa yeah. River guy like a Dustin Connell that type of? Yeah, I mean, not even like pro anglers. I mean, you got guys that are pretty much legends on the Coosa River, like a Jamie Horton. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know who's all Russ guys. Lane and his buddy that. Used yeah, to like Chris Rutland, you know, yeah, Mark, okay. Mark McKeg. I mean, I'll, um, 
I mean, I have a lot of friends that, uh, I mean, Terry Tucker, he, he just won the, um, Alabama Bass Trail uh, Championship on Weiss. I mean, it was it was a fifty thousand dollar deal, oh, a team tournament uh, this past weekend. And man, he's won like he's won that. He's won a big two big tournaments at Smith, and he's a legend on the Coosa. Like this guy has has really dominated the Coosa River over years. And you know, he he's came in strides, but the, for whatever reason, the last three or four tournaments he's won. He's probably won he's probably won a hundred thousand uh, dollars in a couple months. Um, Literally just a, a couple of big ABA tournaments on Smith, I know. And then, like I said, that championship, I mean, he's cashed out. And so – but he's a Coosa River guy. Mm-hmm. He's not a Tennessee River guy. You don't think of him up here on Gunnersville. And, you you know, you got your Gunnersville sticks and Tennessee River guys, but they don't they don't go down to the Coosa and play. So, yeah, you got – you know, Will, da- Will Davis is a Coosa River guy. Yeah, he's a spotted bass guy because well, I think I, of, like, yeah, Jordan on- and Smith and the Coosa. I mean, Bickwick. Uh, yeah. I, I think the champ, the 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 federation or the the nation yeah. tournament. Um, he's last year. Last year, so I mean, he's yeah. thirty-one. Yeah, he's he obviously doesn't. He's a Tennessee River guy too, I guess. But yeah, but spotted bass are spotted bass because I think of it as like Alabama has weird spotted bass lakes and then like slugfest lakes. Yeah. Hundred percent, because Smith is like a spotted bass lake, which I would imagine his Smith and Coosa would then go to play on Hartwell. I mean, are there are those spots at all similar? I mean, you've won a classic on yeah. Hartwell for. Th- yes, Smith and Smith and Hartwell similar, other than uh, Hartwell is a lot shallower, you know, flatter, mm-hmm. and we don't have cane piles on Smith. But outside of that, it's you know, why not? Why, why not? Just no, because there's no hair. Other herring in Smith. Yeah, there's herring in Smith. Yeah, there's hair. There's some herring in Smith. Why isn't no? Why isn't anyone put cane out? Uh, well, it's it's too deep. A lot of the and and they don't. Those fish are they suspend and there's not. It's just too deep. There's no really like you know. A lot of times they're sitting over sixty foot. That's fair. Hundred foot, hundred twenty. I mean, um. So you can't really sink them because, I mean, they're too deep. How would you catch those fish before uh, scope? Um, or well, just didn't catch pretty, them? You, you just pull up and you fire out there and you visualize like they you come do anything. Up. Like, is that what we're going to say? That's what these kids are going to say now. How, how would you catch these fish before before scope? I mean, I'm just, I was just thinking because I fished it in one open. And I mean, it was, I, I was catching a burning a tail spinner two foot under the surface over a hundred foot of water for streaking schools of spotted bass. So I was yeah. like, it's like, okay, this would be really tough. You pull up, you, 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 if you fish there a lot, you know, you're throwing a, a little top water like this, Ooh, you're covering water. You, got and you kind of, you visualize like, Hey, where are they, where are they going to be on this point? And then the guys that, figure it out obviously they know hey these fish are sitting way out further i i can cast here here and here and i can call these fish up and yeah i mean before scope it was like if you found them it was a lot easier than you know because not everybody was fishing for them yeah they're probably a little bit more aggressive yeah aggressive yeah uh we'll get we'll get to the baits later because that is we are going to 
take a little bit of a deep dive into some some fall yeah. tactics. But I also wanted to circle back and what better time than now? Uh, that Black Bass World Championship that they had in Portugal. I know uh, some of those guys that are on that team and some of the uh, USA bass people have teased uh, bass fishing in the Olympics. <laughs> Jeffries did a deal on this before he retired, probably four or five years ago when, you know, the Team USA bass and has been around for a while. But... I mean, we're a long, are we a long ways in your opinion from the Olympics or are we just like a couple people deciding, yeah, let's put it in. And like, you're donning the red, white, and blue <laughs> winning the gold medal. We're a long way. Wait, wait, don't. Will it ever happen in your lifetime? Do you think? I mean, um, let's be realistic here. I mean, honestly, I'm not really, I mean, I, I... I'm not really comp. Let's say I'm not really confident in bass fishing going to any next level, especially just after last couple of weeks. And uh, you know that's a that's a big deal. And I just don't think there's enough people that maybe take it serious enough. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think we could potentially see it. it I'm not going to say um, it won't happen in my lifetime because it it definitely it definitely yeah. could. And then there's enough countries. I mean, there is enough countries involved. There were 20 countries involved in this. Yeah, that's pretty – that's a pretty good – Here's the yeah. only thing that I think might be a roadblock. Um, Peter pretty much leaves us alone now. Yeah. And I think you, you put that on an international stage and you might get some uh, – Yeah, potentially. Some, some activist group – yeah. notoriety for it so I think, I think something something like that i could see the mlf uh really the only thing you could take from mlf in this would be maybe the catchway release and then maybe mm -hmm. having some type of of olympic officials yeah and you'd have a scoreboard so you could you could actually do it would you be able to have i mean maybe because johnny gives a fleet of pontoon boats or some yard, some sort of, and you could have kind of some floating spectator barges out there Yeah, in the Olympics. Cause it could be, I mean, if it, depending on how you did it, you could have kind of a manicured playing field. It doesn't have to be a yeah. giant lake. It could be a smaller I lake. Him, I could say I'm trying that for one year and be like, ah, wasn't that good. It's out. That's going to end up on that list of like weird Olympic sports that used to be like, like pigeon throwing and stuff like that back in the day. Yeah. I'm not familiar with pigeon throwing, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you're saying. I know, I know you're trying to what point you're trying to get across this uh, Spain, I think took, uh, here other nations that competed were the host Portugal. I was South Africa, France, Canada, Zimbabwe, Romania, Puerto Rico, Mexico, and Serbia. Yeah, they didn't. Have, they didn't have Japan in there, or China. I mean, I think. I think. Think about it. What we've got now, though. Sing, sing the USA would not be a runaway favorite in this. No, because I. I, it, I would it, venture it, to yeah, say I would think Japan would be the favorite. Yeah, or Canada, or Canada. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Coop, Gussie. 
the Johnstons, that doesn't even include the Canadian talent that has it's made its way south of the or north or the south of the border. That come over here that can't speak any English and come over here and basically put a you know put a hurting on the United States guys on lakes that they know and fish all you know pretty regularly mm-hmm. and they don't even know you know they're just they don't even know like how to get a hotel room or you know how to order food or anything like that and they're coming over here so and and you know uh showing their talents and you know winning big national events like I think those guys would be I mean they're they're a heads up in technology techniques mm-hmm. uh gear you name it I feel like they're one up this i had dano sullivan on the show last week and he said that uh there there's some japanese units that aren't even available in the united states like it's a completely different unit mm-hmm. i'd be interested to see if there's any truth to that or if it was just in just a different face and the guts are the same you know what i mean right. like for scope right i don't know yeah. I mean, Shin and Taco are the two kind of elder statesmen that are currently active right now. Yeah. From Japan, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say so. You know, have you gotten to know Shin really well? Nah, not really. He's uh, always Taco, such a good good attitude when yeah, I've been around him. Attitude. He's really a- cool stuff. And he, he even does kind of the off-the-wall, the Neko rigging and all that. Yeah. You know, I feel like the new, it's just like probably just like over here uh, in the States where we got, you know, younger guys who are a little more hungry, talk a little bit more, spend a little more time on the water. Uh, that's kind of the same way in Japan because you got, you know, Taku, who's probably, uh, he's a little my age, a little older. And then you got, uh, what's the other young kid's name? Koi, Koyo Fujita. Yeah. Koyo? Uh, I, I had it down. I had it on a piece of paper around here with like phonetically spelling it out. I feel like he's like a young, hungry guy from Japan who knows all the ins and outs, the, the new techniques. Five transducers. Yeah. So he's he's really next level and hungry with it. And he, right now he's wherever he's at, he's playing with his boat. Playing with fishing rods, reels, whatever, dialing in his stuff for next year, and that's the difference. And and you got guys that are hungry, and you know guys like him. I mean, he's going to be tough. Um, and he's a newer, he's a newer age guy. You know, Shin, I don't feel like's doing that as much anymore. You know, he's he's done done it for twenty plus years, so uh, you know he's not maybe on the front the you know the mm-hmm. forward thinking on that kind of stuff as much you think he was sitting over there going really fuzzy dice or do you think he had that in his back pocket and just hadn't broken it out and he was like oh, uh, a young whippersnapper no nah, i don't think he was in the know on any of that i don't think he was in the know as much on the the hover strolling and um at, you know as much as maybe these newer guys that are like in japan all the time and know like you know, that's just my thinking on it and know how deadly some of this mm-hmm. stuff could be. When we had you on earlier and you were talking about Wheeler doing that on Gunnersville earlier this year, was that the really 
the last year or two the first time you've heard of hover strolling and like seen it that effective is this is this a deal where you're going to be like telling your kids 20 years from now yeah i remember back in the year 2023 when they i got my ass kicked by hover strolling and now everyone's a stroller yeah man i mean i kind of got in the early no of it too which is frustrating i mean maybe i didn't know i just didn't know the level of damage that it could could do i mean two years ago taku was in my boat doing it and catching fish at smith and he was like man you need to you know he's he's like you need to you know get dialed in on this and stuff and i don't know i mean i played with it here and there i threw it in the tournament at gunnersville just had i think i had the wrong size you know i was throwing a little bit Mm -hmm. bigger bait wasn't completely dialed in on the head and all that and the weight just wasn't dialed in enough on it to you know uh to to get them going on it but it 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 was kind of known and it was kind of hush hush type deal and you know jacob obviously zoned in on it pretty quick and caught him but i i feel like it's not the last you're gonna see you know that that technique Uh, everyone thinks we're trolling them so jordan what's new at mlf quit dragging your feet let's talk about the elephant in the room kenny seriously all right so well we'll talk about it so on friday i got a uh an anonymous email it was not from you jordan or just to put that into into let everyone know yeah it was from this thing called the angler protection committee and i'll just read the the press release if you haven't heard about it by now uh bpt anglers respond to recent mlf bass tour bass pro tour changes riverside california we have recently received a proposal outlining the plans from the MLF, uh, which was uh, laid out like we talked about uh, on the show last week. There was a meeting last week. I'm going to paraphrase this, Jordan. If I get anything wrong, let me know. There was a meeting last week where MLF basically laid out their kind of vision goals, plans for 2024 and 2025. Plenty of podcast news articles if you want to go out and peruse the interwebs easy to find on yeah what they proposed fair assessment there jordan yeah fair assessment uh we are currently in the process of carefully reviewing various aspects of the proposal the anglers the anglers passionate about the growth and success of the league agree that adjustments to the business model are necessary and are eager to work towards an agreement that assures everyone's continued prosperity. Having built their careers within the league, the majority of the anglers are original founding members who possess a genuine commitment to the continual advancement of the MLF platform. As we embark on this review process, our primary goal is to establish a stronger and more fruitful relationship with the league that can endure for years to come. The APC Anglers Protection Committee is a strategic alliance of Bass Pro Tour Anglers, and then the email came from uh, an Angler Protection Committee email. So, uh, you are a Bass Pro Tour Angler, Jordan, and as uh, some viewers have pointed out, they would like just kind of your take on the entire last week in the world of being a BPT angler uh, fishing for Major League Fishing. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna be completely honest with the viewers here. Uh, it's been it's been pretty hard on me because I mean, I, I don't look for anybody's sympathy or you know we're, we're professional anglers. It's a it is a professional sport. We pay money to fish, and uh, you know I think I think at the start of MLF, you know there was a lot of hope um, that you know this could be maybe something different that um that that could potentially that could have potential we'll say mm-hmm. um you know we started off and with the with the no entry fees um which that could have been a mistake right from the get-go but regardless there was a lot of a lot of promise at the, at the beginning a lot of money getting thrown in it i compare it to the ages of flw when um, there was just money pouring in and they didn't know what to do with it all, right? Yeah. We talked about that. Where yeah, they decided to put battery packs and cannon boom mics and underwater and had yeah. divers on the structure while you can't. was given a million dollars to that. That's this still the that's still this is the craziest thing in fishing. Oh, yeah, Scott Suggs. No, no, not 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 to the oh, fantasy fishing, fantasy fishing a million dollars. Okay, so I I kind of I kind of relate that era to this where there was, you know, $300,000 red crest, a uh, hundred thousand at every tournament. You had the cups that paid, you had the cup championship that I won maybe the second year, no entry fee. <laughs> yeah. There's Hulk, Hulk Hogan. They had Hulk Hogan there. You talked about it. Yeah. I don't, don't want to get talked off- about that last time. We can't get off topic. topic. Keep stay out. on topic. The payouts were great. Okay, I won a hundred thousand in a, a world championship. Not a lot of people know about. It wasn't even live TV, and and so in no entry fees. This is all no entry fees. So there is promise there. Well, the promise kind of took a hit. Um, there was, my opinion, you know, there was a lot of bad decisions uh, those first couple of years. We saw it behind the scenes. Pretty much everybody saw it. Yeah, there's a tournament I won 20, 2020. So that was almost four years ago um that was uh that was a cool event i mean we're fishing little lakes that nobody even knows about i don't even know where i i don't even know the name of that lake anymore that i wanted on all right we're working on a timeline you gotta go back to the timeline i was just throwing that up for the uh but anyways to show that it did happen there was a lot of promise um and i feel like the, the decisions that have ultimately been made at higher management um their decisions not anything to do with anglers have led us to this point in uh, major league fishing where basically they're having to you know cut cut the bass pro tour down to what makes financially sense for them in their in their business um this is on them it's not on the anglers and you know there's a lot of anglers who you know stuck their their necks out and really thought that there had potential in the beginning and uh, it just comes down to that, you know, and it's frustrating for a lot of guys. A lot of guys are mad about how we receive the news, um, how it's kind of portrayed from upper management and the fact that, hey, it's business, you know, and mm-hmm. sorry you've, uh, you're in this position, but we don't this have any. This is what it is. It is what it is. There, And I, I've learned that in corporate America. I haven't been – Never work for a big company. I'm, I'm, 
I'm sponsored by a few, but I've mm. never had like a corporate job. You probably have it either. No, I have it. It's weird. I but, feel uh, like we very, should have for at least a year. Yeah. It, it, you know, I've learned that it's very uh, straightforward. There's no, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. I've made these mistakes type deal. It's basically, you know, it's basically this is what's going to happen. And um, I think a lot of, some anglers are trying to get on the same page with that and say, hey, you know, if there's anything we can do here, um, any way we can change anything. I, I don't know if there's going to be any type of negotiations or whatever, um, but there's a lot of anglers that are not uh, not okay with just how how it was handled, more or less. Uh, there you go. Uh, I, I could answer one of your questions there in a Bass Fan article. Uh, MLF President and CEO Boyd Duckett told Bass Fan today that he has no comment on the formation of the APC and didn't plan to participate in negotiations with the group. There you go. Uh, he said angler issues are routinely addressed through the MLFAA, a body that is separate from the league. It consists of six officers, five of whom are anglers and eight board members. Uh, that would be the entity I'd respond to, Duckett said. The other one isn't even one that I'm aware of. Duckett says he empathizes with the anglers who will no longer have a place on the BPT after next year, but he believes that the reduction is necessary in order for the league to achieve its goal of increased online viewership by non-traditional fans. There's always been a lot more than 80 guys who want to fish the Bass Pro Tour. He goes on to say, uh, for us to be successful, the model doesn't work with 80. We need 50. It's going to be good for professional fishing in the long run, but the downside is it's hard on those who can't make it. Uh you can go to Bass Fan and read the rest of that article. I will say, uh, me personally, I've talked to anglers uh, on the BPT who are had an integral part in putting this together. I've also talked to anglers on the BPT who hadn't even heard of this thing and weren't right. really dialed in. So, and right. it is anonymous at this point. So, it's all across the board with the eighty anglers, each of which is a single business entity looking uh, to do what, what is hard. the best for themselves which which yeah it makes it tough it makes it tough to have some type of alliance union uh anything like that because everybody's in it i'm in a different position than a lot of people a lot of people are different mm -hmm. different position than me and to get all anglers on the same page is extremely difficult and uh that's just that's just the facts of it. But, you know, if, if the anglers can get on the same page and I, I think there's a lot of, there's a, a lot of smart guys that fish our, our tour, mm -hmm. that fish boat tours that have probably, and, and this is one thing I wish the leagues would understand Bassmaster and MLF that, you know, your, your anglers are, they, they are your talent and, and they're your customer. You're, we're paying them, but you have a lot of smart individuals that know the sport better than anybody that know the nitty gritty, you know, that know stuff that's, you know, the social media uh, trends and um, I mean, just anything. They know the sport better than anybody. I, I feel like the, the higher management um, of both Bassmaster and MLF don't understand what they have at their fingertips and how, how much the anglers can make good decisions and make good, I mean, especially a group of anglers and that just know 
bass fishing and know the trends. And like I said, they can just, they can see what's coming almost. And I feel like a lot of anglers could see what was coming years ago and see, Hey, mm-hmm. and, and see trends, see, see forward facing sonar trends. Hey, how can we make this better? How can we make this? And, and we could really make the product so much better, but, Here's the problem. Nobody listens. (laughs) Nobody listens. And I feel like that is one bad in in any business. If you you don't listen to your consumer, your employees, and really take stuff to heart, then it can hurt you in the long run. And I don't know. I just think they would, if they could listen a little bit more, um, they'd be in a better position. Uh, I'd also like to point out that part of the reason that this is existing now is because of not listening throughout the history of the organizations. This is not new. This seems to be a cyclical thing that we saw yeah. uh, most recently, which is basically the reason that the BPT exists. It's because you had a bunch of anglers for a number of years that were saying, hey, 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 and they it's were saying. Tough, and there, there is egos involved and, and all that. You know, and, and that's. That's just unfortunate, but if I ever own a business, if I ever do, man. Well, you own a business. You're a sole proprietor yeah, well, of Jay Lee Fishing. You, you've got a clothing company now. You're, you've yeah. got a, a, a we, warehouse hey, we, over. We in- listen. We listen to the people. No, but if I ever owned a, if I ever owned like a, any type of business, whatever, I would listen because I've seen this mistake happen. But these people obviously are better running businesses than I am. I mean, they have a lot <sighs> A lot more money. Scott says the Toro cut line is about to be the Sal's meat market cut line. That'd be fine. I'd run a Sal's meat market route. I dude, I am really, uh, I've, I've had some brushes with, uh, with meat companies. I really feel like a meat company would be ideal for the, the bass fishing world, a direct to consumer meat company. Like I feel like BTL or a recognized brand like Jordan Lee, like you get a Omaha steaks, a butcher's bought one of those behind it. Like there, that is a win win scenario that targets the demographic that you're trying to target. Like bar none. Manly. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you can afford a, a new bass boat, you can afford a freeze dried steak direct to your doorstop. I mean, you got guys who like to grill with disposable income. What, I mean, what more do you want in the South? You're right. That's spot on. You go to tournaments, you just get a, just a pile of meat sent there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen guys with with uh, Traeger deals and yeah. you know big green egg deals, and I don't know if anybody has anyone cracked the Rectech code yet with the bull horns, the new no. latest greatest. If someone could crack the Rectech code, what's Josh Bertrand? Josh Bertrand's got one. Oh, does he? Yeah, but you got to have the meat for it. Anyway, yeah. that's my. Yeah, there's a lot of companies. That, I mean. There's not a lot of companies, but yeah, that that would be a good one. The the meat, the, I could see meat being a player in bass fishing. All right, well, thank you for comments. What's that? Right, yeah, oh, there was one there that I wanted to point out. Uh, oh, I see kinda, him. I'm, I click comments now. I yeah, uh, Clay made a good point. He said, "I would guess Jordan is well inside the top 35. Good dude for sticking his neck out for the greater good." And that is also. Like when everybody's an individual, it's really hard to get because it's really hard to get everybody on the same page. One of the reasons is if it's benefiting the guys who are the most influential and are making the most money, 
I mean, dude, like you have a small kid. A lot of the yeah. guys have small kids and families and they're growing. And if it's working for them, it doesn't, it's hard to say, Hey, I'm willing to give up because you work your ass off to get to a certain level. And then there's also that mentality of, well, I'm here freaking catch me. Come, come take my spot. Like, look what I've done to earn it. Like, I mean, there's a legacy there of hard work and doing something that no one else has been able to do for the hours that nobody sees to then reap the rewards of that at the top of the mountain. So yeah. it's a tricky situation. It really is. And then you throw the Angler Alliance and then you throw Boyd in saying that he's not even going to recognize. It's a great time to have a podcast about professional bass fishing, Jordan. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> Job I agree. safety. I, I, and I'm not sticking my head out. There's nothing no. I'm doing. I'm just yeah. I'm, uh, just talking about the situation, which it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's like that goes back to the guys in different positions, you know. Mm -hmm. Guys, you got guys on the top, you got guys at the bottom, you got guys in the middle. Uh, everybody's yep. in a different place. And you also have guys at the top who have options. Yeah. And guys at the top who don't have options. And with yeah. that, we will take our first break of the show. When we come back, I do want to talk about the clothing because it seems like you said you've listened. You've got some new apparel out. You've got the find your own fish hat. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to dive into... Uh, once you find your own fish, how to capture said fish. Cause I remember we did a show that I was completely, in I think it was like an evening show and we just talked baits for like an hour. And I was like, that was awesome. So I figured we we're going to lightly address this issue and then dive into some baits. You good with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Jordan Lee, heavy hitters champ, world champion, AOY, and back to back classic winner. Does that yep, cover it? That's that's it. That's all I got, man. <laughs> and BFL uh, 2023 Choo Choo Angler of the Year. Ooh, that's probably one of the tougher ones to win in that division. And I got a plaque in the mail. Nice. Yeah. It's BTL on a Monday, October 23rd. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler design function and performance in mind, Nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. If you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, oh, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the Zip Up Full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. And it actually has the mask built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good and feel good and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the Zip Up Reaper. That's right, windproof. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. 
They have over 40 years' experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. Uh, we are back, BTL, on a Monday. I did uh, I did fail to mention when I was talking about the Bass Nation Championship won uh, by Will Davis Jr., first angler, win it back-to-back, that uh, because he won, obviously there was an effect of how that affected who goes to the Classic and who gets uh, invited to the Elite Series, which that's been a very valuable spot over the years. We have seen superstars in the sport get their start in the Bass Nation uh, probably most notably Brandon Polinick in that 2010-2011 where he won the Bass Nation and then went on uh, to duel Kevin Van Dam uh, on the Delta and almost win that classic, and then he became Brandon Polinick. Uh, but because Will Davis won, he had a really good Elite Series season. He was already in the classic. Uh, the first ripple effect is that goes down to the next angler in the Elite Series standings which I believe is David Gaston. So I think I haven't, I haven't, that doesn't say it in the article, but from what my, I believe David Gaston gets, gets into the, into the uh, Bassmaster Classic, which then puts Scott Martin one out. And I think only the team championship is left. So I think Scott is destined to be first out this year, which remember he was last guy in last year. So Scott Martin been living on the edge. And then the other, uh, the other unique thing with, uh, will or with uh, yeah, with Davis winning is the second place angler, uh, Doobie Dubé Doob. Anyway, he's right. he's from New Hampshire. He gets a he gets a spot in the elite series next year. Good for him. Tim Doob, who finished second at Hartwell, earns a spot on in the Elite Series. So uh, that was cool. We've seen some of the Bass Nation guys not defend it. I've never, I mean, I, I mean that's honorable too. Like, hey, you know, let someone else have a chance. But dude, if you if you qualify for that tournament and you can go def- defend that thing ten freaking times, I don't care. I mean, yeah. that's that's a tournament you won, and it's your title until someone takes it from you and go get your twenty grand and obviously fishing it because that's an easy spot in the classic. There's no guarantee that uh, yeah. Davis was going to catch it this year. So I just wanted yeah. to, there are some, I always try to give a lot of uh, uh, publicity to the Bass Nation Championship. I think it, it was one of the most underrated tournaments out there. Uh, used to be a lot more, it's still very prestigious, but just as far as the pomp and circumstance around it, uh, that's changing next year going to regionals where top percent of the regional anglers then make a national championship. They're still doing one angler in the classic three uh, or one angler in the classic uh, or three anglers in the classic one to the elite series. Mm-hmm. But there's a 250 boat tournament now for that instead of just a 55 boat. tournament. What's the most, what's the best amateur tournament you've ever fished in Joe? Like one that just sticks out to you, like that was a badass tournament. Hmm. 
Man, I hadn't really fished in that many, but like, have you ever done? Have you ever fished in All American? No, the first, the first, the, the, the only thing similar to I, I fished All American was the uh, two thousand and nine. I fished the weekend series national championship, championship on Dardanelle. Uh, that that a uh, that it was a hundred thousand. Uh, something first place. Justin Atkins won the co-angler side. I triple zeroed, and it took 38 pounds to win for four days. And uh, and then that guy, that guy got to go to the classic. So he won a good bit bit of money. Uh, and yeah, that, I guess that was the best best one that I fished, and I came in dead last. I never caught a keeper. How did that happen? My motor blow. My motor oh, blew. God. I think my troll motor went out, and I think I lost three keepers that I remember in three days. In three days, motor blew, troll motor went out, our cable broke. Uh, same day or back to back days? Like day one, day two, day like was it just a I total think disaster? Was, I think it was different days. So that had to be the biggest cluster you've ever fished in to have that happen in three consecutive days and then and i missed a week class my freshman year at auburn and pretty much just bombed all that that whole semester and so wrote it off wow yeah that one how old were you then 17 18 yeah something like that i guess that's the best one i fished i I mean i haven't really because i mean i in in college, I fished just some local stuff, but I fished a lot of college tournaments. And then after that, I jumped, you know, fished the opens and all that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jonathan James with a glowing review. Joe is a man child who handles stress like nobody I've ever seen, doesn't overthink fishing or life, and is never in a hurry. Flat out humble and isn't afraid to talk about anything in the biz. That guy needs to be your PR. He needs to be your PR guy. Johnny James. It's got to be the only Johnny James I know. He's, here's Jason. He said, "Hey, I was in that tournament. Jordan had to get Matt's boat in that tournament." Yeah, look at that. People remember. Gosh, that's that's impressive. Somebody was in the tournament. That was a brutal tournament. Two thousand nine. I have 19. been stressed. That was fifteen years ago. What stresses you out? I mean, I mean, everything just going on right now. It has, it has, it has stressed me out. I mean, I'm not stressed right now talking talking with you about it and you know maybe a little bit every day but i mean it is a lot lot to take in and i mean fishing's always going to change though so i you just got to get used to it i guess what well your first year on the elite series was 20 what 2015 15 so you kind of got you've kind of been a little bit volatile. I mean, you just get kind of settled in and then the MLF switch happens. So you've kind of been all over the board. I mean, you, you start in 15 and then boom, you got the classic back to back classics. Uh, you, yeah. You've had a very interesting career. I guess I haven't realized that because you, you haven't had just very many, just normal grinded out seasons. Like you've either been a defending champion of something rolling all over or a league switch or format switches. Like you haven't just sat down and been like, yeah, that looks like a good schedule. Looking forward to this year. There's always been something that you've had to deal with to get through that year. Mostly positive. 
Mostly positive. Yeah. My career so far has been, you know, I've, I've really, I mean, I, I can't have any complaints. I mean, you always, you always have a little nerves going into the next year and you look at the schedule and you're like, ah, I don't really like it. Or I, I kind of like it. And you just don't know how it's ever going to go. Then you kind of get in the groove and, uh, have, you know, I've had some tough tournaments, had a lot of great tournaments and, um, you just take take one year at a time and, you know, thankful for every step along the way you get to do it. Have you been following, like, the Tucker Smith and Logan Parks and all that? I know Logan just made the Bassmaster Elite Series. I mean, it, Auburn seems to be kicking out. And, and then what are your thoughts also on the uh, Opens? 22.5 is the average age of the top five in the Bassmaster yeah. Open EQs. Like, I mean, you were a like you were a, a young protege. You were one of those guys who was tabbed. You've been in the shoes of these guys literally since yeah. you've been 17 years old. Any advice? What are your thoughts on that? Is this the new norm? Yeah, it's the new norm for sure. Um, I just see technology uh, and the guys who are real willing to, and they're coming up with the technology, right? They're they're starting fishing. And they have the time and they have not as many of the, you know, responsibilities. And, and that's, that's how I was. And I, I, I would, I would fish. I was, you know, gone a month and just go fish. Didn't have anything to really pin me home, you know, pin me back home where I had to be at the house and I could just fish and learn. And, you know, I, I had that advantage then and, and now you see the younger guys that are hungry and, you know, they're coming up with the technology and they have the, they, they, they want to learn it and they're, they want to be on the water every second. And, and then you have a lot of the veterans who, you know, have been around a long time that are doing okay financially and maybe they're not as hungry to go out there every day and learn their units and change their whole fishing strategy that they've, they've learned you know they basically their whole life they've you know put effort into reading the water and this and that and a lot of that's it is going away in a sense you still have to do that but you still have to understand fish but you have to change the way you fish um in, in a sense to i feel like to be really competitive change as far as well i mean you have to be willing to say okay, this tournament, I'm going to really focus on, you know, live, you know, live scope, active target, and just throw 30 years of experience out the window and just go chase random fish in an open bay. Sometimes, yeah. Some tournaments, <laughs> yeah. If, if you, if you, if you want to win, if you want to be competitive, you want to be in the top 10, yeah, you have to at least try it. Are you struggling with this at all? I mean, I know you're you came um, up without it. You made the Elite Series without it. You've won world championships without it. Uh, have yeah, you just been I'm like, yeah, this is with it. I mean, I it, uh, it, I'm trying to every time I go out, like I did get I did get to go out on the water yesterday and uh and just go and just go fish and just have fun and I I literally went out there instead of going and just saying, "Hey, I'm going to go flip grass and just grind it out for a little while and see what I can catch doing this. I went out and just 
use the active target the whole time and just try to catch fish out in the middle of the lake and, or on stumps or whatever. I don't care if they were 12 inches or what. I didn't know what I was going to catch, but I literally just did that because I'm not great with it. And I don't like put myself in that position a lot of times where I just go to a body water and just say, Hey, I'm just going to use this all day and see what I catch. But you, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the new age. I mean, you, you, a lot of guys that, that qualified for the elites, they, that's how they did it. They, they went into events and said, Hey, I'm going to use this and find fish that people aren't looking for and catch fish that people aren't fishing for. And a lot of those guys either won tournaments or were in the top, you know, a lot, a lot of the events. I mean, that was a big factor. What's going to be the biggest challenge for these 22, 23 year old guys? I mean, you've lived it. What's huh. the one thing that they're not expecting that is going to be the biggest challenge for them? The, the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge in, in our sport is, is financially the, and, and sponsorships and, and, um, you know, social media and, and learning that, Hey, just because you're, you've qualified for a high level tournament series that that doesn't mean it's all going to be roses and everything. I mean, there's going to be tough times and I mean, I'm sure they're prepared for that and they, they, they know that going into it. Um, but it, you don't get into it to, to really, you don't know what your financial income is going to be year to year. And, uh, sponsorships that's the biggest and it's getting tougher you know it's getting tougher every year uh to maintain them and to to get new ones so um that's that's the biggest challenge is it are there enough guys looking in the non-endemic side i mean is that where the future is you think in (sighs) non-endemic sponsorship or i mean it's always been there there's always been some unique ones but like what percentage of the guys would you see are really trying to maximize the non-endemic versus going after the same companies that have always supported tournament fishing, but have 90% of their advertising budget already booked for two years out. Yeah. The non, the non-endemics man, they're, they're tough because they, they, they don't, they don't stick around forever. I mean, I mm-hmm. had, I had Carhartt that, that was with me for about seven, eight years and that started as a college deal. That started as a college deal. That was a, a great, great partnership for me. The longest, longest one I've had, you know, through it all. But that's borderline endemic. Yeah. That was, that's kind of anomaly, though. I mean, a lot of, you know, you look at, I look at guys that the top, you know, the top guys in our sport who, um, you know, let's, that are really good with social media and their, and their companies they work with, you know, Gerald Swindle, for instance, I mean, he's had Toyota and, you know, he's had some non-endemics throughout the years and, um, you know, that, that maybe around a couple of years, he's had some probably that have been around a long time, but, um, and Iconelli and, you know, Van Dam. I mean, those were the, those were the top guys for a long time. And, um, it's just hard if, if their, their jerseys aren't just full of non-endemic sponsors, right? They may have uh, that was a bunch of acorns hitting the roof. I was wondering, I was like, either someone's up from their nap, or someone just shot a squirrel. Yeah, 
but you know what I'm saying? Like those guys' jerseys aren't just full of non-endemics, like ten non-endemics. Like they have mm-hmm. one or two or three. So it's it's hard to go, you know, a young guy to just go pitch a huge corporation uh, company and say, "Hey, this is what I'm doing next year. Mm-hmm. Are you on board?" You know, and so that that part of it's tough because um, and there's so many quote unquote professional anglers now. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, if you could get one or two, man, hey, good for you and uh, and try to hold on to them. Are you surprised at how well the individually licensed clothing has gone, which started with the This Lake Sucks and now has moved to – I mean, I would assume I saw this a couple of days ago. The Man, I need a – I need one – I need both of those hats because I've got your – you know, there's your Lake Hartwell water right there. Yeah. Next um, time I see you. If, if I, I, I got it, I got to get you some, you can. Yeah. Some. Well, I mean, as long as they're in stock, I got no problem ordering it. Are these, are they still in stock right now? The find your own fish and the, this lake sucks. Or are we, um, I don't know. Honestly, what I is think it? the find is your it? own fish. I, I don't think we've sold out. Is it Jordan Lee fishing.com? Yeah. Jordan Lee fishing.com. Oh, look how fancy this is. I think we've showed this before. Boom. Oh, look yeah, at that. Yo, Jolie. Yeah. You so, go, you go, you go up to shop. There it is. Products. Find your own fish hat. There you go. In stock, right? Yeah. Is that a Richardson 112? Yeah. Okay. And then the only one, the only one to wear. Yeah, that's that's what all the BTL are. And then I don't see this lake sucks hat. Yeah, I think that this lake sucks hat is is out right now. That. You've had to have sold ten thousand of those. Ah, I don't. I don't think we've sold that many. But uh, it's the hottest hat in fishing. I wouldn't go that far, but it was actually my wife's idea. I got to give her the credit, and she she really, uh, you know, she kind of had the idea and put it together. And even the find your own fish. I mean, that was that was kind of on her. She knows way more. Was that just you bitching? And she's like, well, let's just do a hat that says it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was for sure that this like sucks. It was because, I mean, that's what I always used to say. And I still probably do like every lake I went to. That's any fisherman, though. You yeah. go out there, you go to like, oh, this is the best lake in the country. You go to like, like Fork or something. And you're like, oh, this place sucks. I thought it was supposed to be good. She's like, oh, I'm sad about it. Drunkwood wants one that says my dad found these fish that you can sell to all the high school anglers. Yeah. <laughs> Find dad's fish. Yeah. I like the one just my dad found these fish. Yeah, I like that. That'd be a good one. Uh, speaking of promotion of that, what are your thoughts on Milliken making the Elite Series? That's pretty wild, isn't it? It's it's impressive. Um, I know he's been on the show, and I, I haven't. I don't think we've ever crossed paths, and I've never talked to him in, in person. But uh, you know, I really wasn't big on the YouTube. I mean, I, you're you know, not a YouTube guy. It's I'll say it for you. Yeah, I'm not a YouTube guy. You not do yet. it out of necessity, not out of the love of YouTube. R- right, and it is impressive to the time and effort that he's put into the YouTube and to build that for, for his personal brand. And then, uh, to just, 
basically stick your head out. I don't know how many tournaments he's fished over the years, but nine with bass. <laughs> that's how many tournaments he's fished ever. No, he used to fish. He fished like some college stuff and then he fished a couple of locals, but like open level, like that level he's fishing. Not. Like, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and to come in and obviously he's uh, up to date with all the new trends and, um, very uh dialed in with his electronics and yeah i mean he's gonna be a i mean that's that's impressive to to qualify your first year out and to to take a chance on it yeah he fished one bfl and then the rest of the stuff was college stuff right really yeah some that's college cool. stuff he was well was he he might have you might have fished against him oh really Hold on. He fished college in 2011, 12, and 13. Yeah. We fished against each other then, probably. Uh, I don't know where he... 3109. Maybe I could backdoor this and figure out where... Let's say if you took my money. 3109. Oh, oh, no. University of Nebraska, Omaha. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that's where he fished. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What tournament God. did you fish a national championship or anything? Is it FLW you're looking at? FLW. Yeah, he uh, fished the national championship, but it was in 14. Did you fish that one? Where was it at? Uh, the Abu Garcia College Fishing Championship. He top tend it. Oh, that was the on Lake Kiwi. Yeah, I didn't fish that one. That was the one that uh, Austin Felix won. Oh, okay, that's cool. Because that was when we had the college bass zone. Did I give you one of those old school hoodies that had the Nike logo on them? The college bass zone hoodies? I don't think you've ever gave me anything, Matt. Good Lord. I don't think Just you valuable air. What do you have on right now? Is that a BTL hoodie? Camo? No, this is a this is a camo AFCO hoodie. Oh, okay. But we do have a we do have a fall uh selection dropping uh in the next two weeks on uh the BTL merch site. Nice. I like all the comments that are coming in. Daddy's money bought this boat. Daddy's little sponsor. Your doc, my money. Donator. <laughs> Donator. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I could wear that one on, on a tough year. Just go to the tournament and, you know, be on camera donator hat uh, all right uh we gotta take another break i did like listen you did grab some baits let's just do like five minutes the best of the best fall fishing okay late fall winter because i know you've got kids meetings sponsor commitments all sorts of things you have it you you have better internet than you did last time your internet's banging right now yeah it's hot right now all right uh jordan lee on a monday just we're just uh what does uncle frank always say bloviating bloviating about a variety of topics i like it all right btl will be back right after this i'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife and gamagatsu's come out with the edc series of knives edc stands for everyday carry so whether you're on the water or off you can always have it with you the best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips. So if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. 
born in Japan. Using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing. From household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Shoreline Boat and RV. Dock rash, storm damage, collision repair. That deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water. Fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new. Quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com. Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success, in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors including Pearl Shad which has this bleached out white look but it's got this pearlescent really really pretty. We've got Copper Shad which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back really really pops in the water. And then, if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad. Nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then, last but not least, we've got the Matte Sexy Shad. Just a really different looking color for a crankbait. So you want to give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD. Uh, we're back, BTL. I was looking up your FLW stats. This is absolutely disgusting for what you did to these kids in college. You fished 10 FLW events in college. Now, who were your team before we get into the stats? Who were your primary team partners? Partners, my brother and Shane Powell. All right. Uh, you were 10 for 10 in top 10s. You'd never 
in 10 events finish outside the top 10 and Shay Baker and Shay, uh, from 2010 to 2012, your national championship finishes were third, fourth, and third. You fished, uh, uh, four tournaments in the Southeastern conference. You won one of them and top 10, all four of them. And then in the Southeastern conference regionals, you finished third, fifth, and first. Yeah, I had some good partners. Like you, what is that feeling? I mean, you're, you can't even legally drink a beer yet, but you're going in and you know that you're about to just strum some kids. Like that had to be such a good feeling to be like young and, and arrogant and just go in and be like, yeah, we know this one's going to go well for us and not for you. Yeah. I don't think I looked at it like that, but, uh, I don't, I don't sit here, uh, 13 years later, but man, I just really put it to them kids. Dude, we, I'm doing it right now. Like, cause I fished college and I know that there was like, uh, like Rackley was one of those teams oh. for AM back in the day before he yeah. was Lake Fort guys. He has a name. It was Justin. Yeah. And we'd Where be we? like, dang, we got to beat, we got to beat AM. Yeah. Like Rackley had a team. Arkansas Tech had a couple good teams. Yeah. But like, I remember those kids. Kids. just scared of you man like I, I was covering it we had a website collegebasso.com like yeah. they were terrified of you well I, I i hate it for them you know <laughs> i hate it for them that they were terrified of my little punk self but uh like you knew you were gonna beat everyone though right like i mean you knew well, going into not, it because i didn't i didn't win every time um we we, we did good we were consistent but um 10 yeah, for 10. I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's just on the FLW side. That doesn't m- mention that your brother won one of the years in the bracket when he beat you, and then you just went through the entire system and won it the following year. Yeah, yeah. It's college fishing was it was a good time for me. We were we were on the we were definitely on the upward trends of like the drop shotting, the robo worm and the side scanning brush and stuff like that, side scanning the schools and you know, finding the, the schools offshore, you know, the deep stuff. Felt like that was kind of the, the offshore fishing. We were really cracking the code on that early, um, earlier than everybody else. Yeah. Finding stuff offshore and, um, you know, we, we were definitely dialed in on that. Is that becoming uh, the – seven inch tequila sunrise texas rigged worm of the 90s the morning dawn drop shot in 2023 uh i'm not sure what you're asking but like it's the standard that's what like everybody's just got on now like it is an over it is the everyone has yeah. it like in the 90s everyone would have a seven inch power yeah worm yeah, yeah. yeah everyone has it now it's not you, you know, something like that is not as deadly anymore as it yeah. once was. Um, but it's always going to catch fish, you know, a, a, a drop shot with a worm like that. But it, I don't think it's the standard anymore. You're not seeing every tournament like a drop shot being a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I haven't exploited it. But I'm very consistent when it comes to catching five. And like I've said, there's always got to – there has yeah. to be a middle – to a bottom half of the pack for there to be a top half of the pack, Jordan. So I'm yeah. doing my part in that. I will say this though. You're very consistent a, on getting a limit. I, I've yes. seen your stats. A long time ago, it would have been 2016. Uh, we had a regional 
uh, on Gunnersville. Mm-hmm. And I called you up and you literally talked to me for like three minutes. And you said, dude, throw pink robo worm on a drop shot. And I was like, really? On Gunnersville? Like I just bought some swim baits. And that was when that giant Bastrix was hot. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to. You're like, no, dude, you need to. And and this was eight, nine years ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, I did. And dude, it's it's been in my arsenal ever since. You are so on the cutting at a forefront of that. Like one of the first guys to be doing that. Well, I, I kind of got it from Justin and, and Cody. They were always like when I was coming up in college and even like starting out, um, you know, Cody Meyer, he was he's always been on like the front. He was on the front edge of all the finesse stuff. OK, you know, the the Nico Neko rig, um, the drop shot, all the mm-hmm. light line finesse, little swim baits. He Cody like. In, in the FLW days, just spanked everybody. I mean, doing all the finesse stuff. Um, so, and I kind of got, I, you know, I kind of got, got on in on that pretty early from those guys, and and they they kind of helped me out with that. I didn't figure it out on my own, but I was definitely and, – and, and Tom Frank, too, he was, you know, my um, roommate in college, and he was, like, best friends with Aaron. So, he was always on the – forefront of all that stuff and you know he traveled Aaron a lot so I was around people that knew a lot more than I did speaking of west coast finesse uh Brett Height did post an update after his run in his high speed run in with a bird that was some scary stuff and it looks like he's gonna keep an eye it looks like everything is eventually going to be okay but for a while there that was some really scary stuff with uh with Brett Height hitting a some sort of water bird Oh. at the u.s open and i guess he had like some shards of glass in his eye couldn't see out of it did you see his update i mean he looks like he just went Dude. three rounds with tyson so bad I feel you so ever hit bad. a bird like that I hit, i've hit him with my boat coots and stuff on gunner they just pop up and boom yeah you just run through a giant pack of coots running Don't say that way. randy block it picketing outside your house if you admit to that yeah yeah well i'm i'm that guy randy sorry but I think he said he hit – it was a pelican, a brown pelican. Oh, he must have hit something big. It was a big bird. I remember Bill Lowen in 2009 took a coot straight to the forehead, uh, but it didn't do – you know, Overstreet got the pictures of the coot, like the oh, crap moment for the coot, and then yeah. the coot plume flying <clears throat> flying in uh, over the head. Dude, holy cow, we're an hour and 12 minutes in. Uh, what do you got next to you? Anything. One thing that you're most excited about for the fall. Uh, is there anything well, like that's new or is it, is everything scope related? Like, is there any cast and crank stuff or look at stuff or is everything scope related now? Well, a lot of stuff scope related now, but, um, uh, I do like, uh, first week in November or, or I like November, early, early November, usually punching on Gunnersville. There's always a, like a week window there where you can get a ton of bots. Um, I look forward to that uh, always, and uh, I think I'm fishing a tournament with my wife this week weekend um, on Smith. Which I've, this is we've only fished like one other tournament together, so I'm actually looking forward to that. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. 
So is she the type who's like, if it's not going well, it's going to like be on you, your case? Like, I don't, come on, know. I don't know how she's going to be. Like I said, we, we've, we fished together, but we've never, we, we've only fished a the one tournament we fished together, we won. It was a night tournament, and she caught three of them, giants. She caught three giants. Like, did long. she get pumped, or was she like, oh, that's nice? No, she was pumped. Okay, so she'll be the type to where at noon, if it's not going well, because I've experienced this before, at noon, if it's not going well, you're getting the what the hells. And then they start yeah. throwing their, their suggestions I, I just don't think in. she's going to be prepared or like as much as we're going to run or have to run around. I think it's she's a run and gun deal, huh? Yeah, Smith Lake. We're going to fish Smith. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna run around a lot, so she's gonna be pretty, pretty mad at me for that. Hair in a ponytail, yeah, with a hat. Is it fish? Fish talk open? Yep, that's what it is. What is that? Is that where you do like the TikTok stuff? Well, well, my buddy uh, Slick Johnson, um, some of these guys probably know know him from TikTok, is putting on a tournament. It's called the Fish Talk Open. Yeah. Okay. What else you got, man? We covered, God, we covered a bunch of stuff. We went yeah, more I, I, in depth than we should have in some stuff and not as do, in depth in other few, stuff. I do have a few baits before I go, a few little tips. Uh, you know, fall fishing, though, like seriously, now I think there's there's two ways to look at it, right? You can, you can on a lot of lakes, you can fish the bank. You can cover water, bank-related, you know, visible targets. You got drawdowns. You got a, a little topwater bite. Um you know, you, you can you can do that and say, hey, I'm not going to scope at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple of baits I like to just go down the bank with and just where you don't. There's those acorns again. Um, <laughs> the Chapo. This is the 90 Chapo. I've thrown this one a decent bit. You can Holy see. Holy cow, you cut that right off of the, the actual uh, game day rod. Well, I actually, this a lot of times in my baits, I just cut. I don't ever cut at the knot. I just cut right above it for whatever reason. So this, like my box will be filled with baits that just have a little tag in a line on it. Yeah. But obviously it's a, the Chapo is a great bait. The 90 size. Um, we actually fished a team event uh, a few weeks ago. I had uh, Timmy Horton and Mark Davis as a team partner and, and both of them got this bait from me and both of them caught fish on it. Um, a, a 90 size Chapo. They're like, we want a smaller one and, I was like, yeah, here. Um, they caught fish on it. So uh, it's a great bait in the fall just to say, hey, I'm not going to think and just go down the bank, throw that. Also, it's a, it, you know, fall is like a, a time of year that I just like to downsize to. It's the only time of year that I'm like, I'm going to throw smaller baits. That's because the shad are a little bit smaller. So like a buzz bait. Typically, you see guys with a, a, a big, you know, horny toad or something on the back of a buzz bait plaque. Mm-hmm. And, and I, this is a homemade little small buzz bait, like a eighth quarter ounce. It's got a small blade on it. Um, you can put like any little swim bait. Um, I like the Berkeley grass pig junior and, you know, you can cover water with this. You can throw it over mats, grass. Um, you know, this is this bait. I've thrown a lot on Gunnersville too. this little buzz bait. And if you got grass around, you know, this comes through it really, really well, um, just because how small it is. Homemade, right? Yeah, uh, on the on the buzz bait. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Not from, available. Well, I, I got this one from, um, I think, Michael's Tackle Shop. Um, Michael Neal? Michael Neal, yeah. 
real real deal tackle is that what it is on the shores of lake chickamauga yeah yep um it's hard to find like a really small good buzz bait with a good hook they had them over there um but uh you can put a little swim bait on it i like i like a smaller buzz bait um and you know top water and one other top water bait that i'll actually i i throw a lot top water is a top water bait right i mean you want some you either want one that's really loud that's going to call fish up or you want something that's more finessey this is the the drift walker um just chrome uh it's a little bit more finessey you can throw it on a bait caster and it's on those slick calm like no wind days you know sunny bluebird you need something that's more finessey so i will throw this and the best tip that i got for today um that you know you a fluke you hear a lot of this time of year i do like i mean i'm i am i'm just sponsor plugging out the wazoo but no that's fine the (laughs) i mean all all my baits are burglary but i am throwing these Yeah, yeah um the jerk shad it's just a fluke style yeah. Berkeley, but it, it is scented so it's, it's a little heavier than a fluke you know the, we all know a fluke's a great bait but mm-hmm. um, this one has a little more weight just because the scent but one thing i like to do and it's something to think about it's probably the best thing i got um and i'm starting to do this more on different baits is you know with scope and everything like that is it, having baits that are gonna um sink a little bit faster or have more weight to them i have got a lot of this just lead wire uh from tackle warehouse or wherever harleen lead wire 0.025 in diameter yeah you see a lot of guys putting this like on glide baits and stuff Mm -hmm. you know putting them on the hooks that's old school man that's i mean that's been been doing it since the freaking 60s yeah well it's you know you can put them you can wrap lead wire just around hooks like this and you know thread like you know uh thread your favorite whatever bait you're going to throw this is you know the jerk shad and thread it up where you get a little bit extra weight and you know it casts better you can you can sink it down to fish if you want to you can put it on you can put it on jerk baits you can put it on you know hooks on jerk baits if you you're seeing fish on scope i got a jerk bait stuff stuck in this couch right here um but yeah i mean you know with scope now fish are suspended like on gunnersville yesterday fish were you know sitting over uh 15 foot of water and like a foot below the surface so and the best thing i could make them react to was was this uh stunna but i did catch some also um on mm-hmm. the jerk shad but you know, I, I fall fishing. You think, you know, the, the fish are on shad. They are, but they could be out in the middle of the creek. They could be out in 14 foot, 15 foot. They're not always going to be on the bank. They're not going to always be in the back of a cove. They may be out in the middle of the creek and they may be two feet under the surface. And that's what I'm kind of learning from, from active target is mm-hmm. how fish are setting up and uh, you can play with different baits to catch them. You got two seconds to go back over some of the stuff you just talked about? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hold that buzz bait up again. Oh, no. That looks like a that looks like a little big, big bite. 
Is it? Is that a little big bite? Because I thought it was this one, but it's not that one. Because that's a different head. Yeah, it's not that one. It's not that one. That one looks pretty tasty, though. Uh, it's not a booger, man. Because I'm on the real deal tackle. But if you look at the head of it, it looks like the big bite right there, doesn't it? It's it's got a smaller hook than that. You yeah, so so it's like a little handmade Tennessee deal. Must be. Okay. Got a real small stout hook. Okay, which is key on you that. Put, you couldn't put like a big toad or something. Oh yeah, that. that is not a big bite because a big bite has a different collar on it. Yeah. Pete's saying those are the ones you see not in a package on this uh, buzz bait rack next to the counter. I know, and I mean, yeah, I like, I like, I like the little smaller buzz bait for sure. Mm -hmm. Small, smaller baits. It's the time of year that I like to downsize. Uh, just if you're if you're a guy that's not a tournament guy, just wants to catch fish, definitely downsizing this time of year. You're gonna, you're you're gonna get way more bites. You may not catch the biggest fish in the lake, but you're gonna catch a lot of fish. Have have a fun experience. Uh, Chapo tail versus plopper tail massive sound difference between the river to see the, the tiny whopper plopper and, yeah. the, and the choppo in that exact size. Talk about the plop versus the ping. I don't know how to describe it, but that hard plastic tail makes a drastically different size. I've talked to guys on both sides of the camp. I've talked to guys who will only throw the choppo who are top level tournament guys. And I talked to guys who say, man, the soft plastic tail on the, Whopper plopper is the only way to go because it's not as aggressive. Talk about that sound that a, that the that plopper chopo style bait makes. Um, yeah, I, I, I there's definitely something to the noise of the chopo. Um, you see it on a lot of guys' decks and different sizes. I mean, I'm here in Alabama. This bait is, you know, it's not like the Ozarks or, it, but it catches fish regardless. Um. And it does have a different noise, you know. You, know, you catch them in open water on it, going down the bank. Um, you know, I think the smaller side, the, the 105 is a good one uh, to me as well. But um, black and bone and a little translucent color. But it does have that uh, unique sound mm -hmm. coming through the water. And it, they're two, you know, totally different sounds. You're right. Um, I don't know what it is about it, but uh, there's definitely something to the, the harder tail. Um and I think guys are starting to catch on to it. And then the other thing, jerkbait wise, walk me through how important are you looking for uh, a higher jerkbait in the water column in the fall? And are you, have you had the experience of actually getting your jerkbait below the fish and totally screwing up the bite? Yeah. Yeah. It's key to have the, whatever depth the fish are in, like yesterday, those fish were in, maybe two foot of of two foot below the surface over 15 16 foot uh that's where the bass were and this is what they wanted for sure um i threw a glide bait i threw you know the jerk shad some but having this just a er erratic movement going through the water they couldn't they couldn't stand it um one thing that Justin and um, Lucas, when I say Justin, but 
he he did this past year and uh he actually just had a youtube video on it was talking just about the pound line he he went up to 15 pound line and i see a lot of good jerkbait fishermen i'm not one of them but something i'm going to go into next year really when i get in those jerkbait tournaments i'm probably going to have three four jerkbait setups um you know rigged up with different pound line you know 12 to you could even throw 17 wow or 10 to 17 mm -hmm. it's gonna get that bait it, it totally different um put it in totally different areas in the water column right it's gonna you can get this bait on 10 pound line eight pound line uh it's gonna slow sink it's gonna get down there you throw it on that heavy line you know you're looking at it's gonna be right below the surface flora yeah fluoro um but 15 pound line you know, you want to keep that bait up over them at all times. You get this bait below them, they will not bite. And um, it's just, you know, so having that the right pound test, I feel like is is more key than anything. You can always put like, you know, suspend strips or whatever yeah. to, to get it down or what, you know, anything like that. But different pound line, uh, that's super key. And, and jerk bait fishing. I honestly, I mean, I kind of, you obviously know that from cranking, but it, it, I always was like, oh, you'll have like a deep diver or a different brand or anything. But like, if you're, you got one brand in an action that they like, that makes so much sense. Have one with 10, one with 12, one with 15. Yeah. You got three different, and you're, I mean, that's probably what a five, six foot difference between yeah. those. If you want to, you know, like if I went down to Florida or something, I was like, mm -hmm. I wanted to keep the bait really up over Hydrilla or or something like that. If you were smart, you could have one with 15-pound mono, 20-pound mono, and that bait is really going to stay up. And it may even float. It's probably going to slow float. So uh, definitely having different pound lines and mm -hmm. having a lot of setups rigged, you could really – get one that's running you know it's down. almost like technology has almost hindered the jerk bait game because we're talking about perfectly suspended baits with sharp dark cuts but what you're talking about is basically old school floating rogue fishing where you got that rogue that barely cast yeah. but i remember back in the day like on toledo bend and stuff like that like you'd jerk it down and then or uh you know a g11 wrapple up in canada is the first time i ever did anything like that when i was a kid and jerk it down and let it float up and it's only going a foot or two below the surface yeah for sure i mean you can do all i mean technology it's going to tell you where that bait's at in the water column yep. so i like it to think about i like it i need to get some more uh jerk what do you when you're scoping or uh, live active targeting. You're an active target guy, right? I am. When you're active targeting fish on a jerk bait, I can't. What is the right rod to be doing that with? I don't know what the right rod. I'll tell you what I use, but uh, I'm not pitching it by any way. No, but I'm I, asking. I like. I do like the rod I have from Abu. Um, the length is the key. Yeah. Um, I got a signature rod. It's a six eight. Um, oh, rod. short, short. I like. That's the one thing with the jerk bait. When I get over like that six ten, you know, I'm not a real tall guy, but um, I want something. I mean, six eight, six, even six six. 
something where you're not even getting close to the water with or getting close to hitting anything, the boat deck, anything when you're snapping it. And you want something that's not going to wear you out all day too. If you have like a seven footer or whatever, you know, a high six, you're going to, it's going to work you to death. So, um, short. Okay. Shorter and is better. Are you a believer in a softer rod because of so many of those fish that hit it closer to the boat as they follow it? Or are you just a standard jerk bait? Yeah, I don't like a real or... soft rod. I just like to have power with a, a any rod I'm using where when if I happen to hook up with a big fish, I'm going to actually control it. I feel like if you're just, you know, using a limp noodle, you just have no control. Um, That's some truer words have never been said. <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know yeah. i hear you no i'll have to try it because i've been using a seven foot medium heavy cranking rod he says i use a six six and i'm six one so yeah yeah i like that uh six six mine's a six eight anything around that is definitely uh ideal all right, you got anything else? I heard the kiddo woke up from the nap, I think, or is about to go down for the nap. You're such a good yeah, dad before. You're getting everything set up, holding it, you get to hold this. It was yeah, impressive like to see. Man, they, they grow up quick. I mean, when they he's, he just turned two. I mean, he's running, he's jumping, he's throwing boulders in the lake. I mean, he, he's not like a baby. Like he He's not like that anymore. I mean, he's like throwing trees in the water. Um, <laughs> Savage. Dude, he's a savage. Is he a deficient? He's a stomp. Yeah, he he is an deficient. Imagine that. Imagine so that. he's what? got his own little fishing rod. And fifteen his... years. He's fifteen years from being with you on tour. Yeah, I don't know. How old I'm were thinking. you being fifteen years? Forty-five. Uh, fifteen years. Well, fifteen years. He's going to be seventeen. So he yeah. will be on the pro tour. Yes, he will. That'll be the average age by then. Okay, well, in 15 years, I'll be 47, 48. Oh, yeah, you'll be in your prime. He'll be ah. he'll be on tour. It'll be like a Marty and uh, Marshall Robinson scenario. Yeah, maybe. If he's smart, he won't go that route, but we'll see. He's a smart kid. All right, well, I greatly appreciate it. Like I said, uh, you didn't have to come on. You didn't have to talk about any of that. Uh, greatly appreciate that you did. Got a little bit of fish in there at the end. Yep. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I didn't realize there was so much to talk about in the industry. But like I said, we got through an hour of that stuff and hadn't even gotten to the tips and tricks. But I think it's applicable because, dude, you've experienced like all sorts of different unique scenarios in this sport. It's actually really incredible in the 12 to 13 years that people have known who Jordan Lee is. I mean, you've accomplished and experienced and been a part of so much. Yeah. to be so young still so i mean every time a new topic came up it was like oh well you're a great great guy to talk about this so and you're being recognized by your peers as well a lot of guys at the top of the fish and a lot of guys i know uh just on a personal level have been like dude like watching watching you kind of grow up in front of them yeah the guy is like oh cool a bass master classic to like what you're doing with sponsors and getting involved with the business side and uh, yeah, the guys, the guys are really, there's a lot of guys that really root for you and are very, uh, you have a lot of respect. As yeah, you know. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's something I always, I never take that for granted. So I appreciate that. That means, that means more than anything supporters and, um, just to buy your peers. Yep. 
All right. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. Appreciate the beers. Thank y'all. All right. See ya. All right. That uh, was Jordan Lee. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, a uh, little bit of life perspective. You guys know that I have, uh, I've been involved uh, at the club level since I was what, 12 years old with the Assumption Bass Club and got some, uh, some really tough news over the weekend about, uh, about an angler that I've always really looked up to. So BTL on a Monday and, uh, and we'll be back right after. This. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. All right, we're back. We're wrapping things up uh, on BTL. And I don't really go into a lot of, uh, I sometimes do go into personal information on the show. But uh, if you guys know uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my story or any of the story, I kind of got into this whole deal through the Bassmaster Casting Kids. And uh, when I was 12 and 13 years old, the Assumption Bass Club was at the Decatur Sports Expo, the Fishing Expo, and they had the casting kids contest there it was ran by bass uh, i believe it was helen severe that started the casting kids program uh this was back you know it's wrangler angler it was the late 90s anyway i qualified through the local i ended up going all the way to the nationals but my host club was the assumption bass club and as a result there were some uh anglers in the club a uh, number of anglers, uh, Darren Gage, John Schusler, John Ader, Todd Bates, Louis Logan, Kendall, Doug Foster, Doc. I just, I mean, it was basically your Harry and Charlie bass fishing club that really got me hooked in it. And they took a 13 year old kid who had never fished a tournament or had fished one tournament and said, yeah, you can come fish the club with us. You don't even have to be a member of bass. I know we're, you know, we're not 16 years old. And I took, uh, I took, tackle box and tackle box and tackle boxes and rods and all sorts of stuff and we go to joanne's and mike's tackle and get bags of worms and stuff and and uh really looked forward to the fishing as a co-angler and i guarantee you they did not look forward to me fishing with them as a co-angler but everyone was fantastic in that club growing up really kind of gave me the passion uh for tournament fishing and the reason that i've been able to make a a career in the industry and a fish in the opens goes back to uh, the assumption bass club members saying, Hey, come and fish with us, taking me under the wing, teaching me how to fish tournaments. So I'm forever indebted and grateful uh, for that. And as the year passed, you know, you come back year after year. Well, one of the, uh, one of the guys on the club that I, you know, really looked up to as I had, it was actually my first, chatterbait experience the chatterbait didn't exist but they existed but at mike's tackle and and uh thinking of joanne at mike's tackle if you guys have heard about that or watched baxter the bait man's uh video of mike's tackle world you need to go do that it's one of the most legendary tackle shops in the country uh happens to be in decatur illinois where i grew up uh joanne going through some health issues there so if you know uh if you're in that area stop by and uh give her a hug 
or uh, give her some encouraging words. Long story short, um, they had the Venom knockoff of the Chatterbait. This is before they got sued for it or all of the companies. I don't know if this one did specifically, but I picked it up and I remember we were on Shelbyville and I drew uh, Todd Bates, one of the guys in the club who always was dueling it out for the club championship. And I got him down on that uh, chatterbait on stumps. But as the years passed, the fish with Todd always looked up to him. He started a jig company, uh, Triple B Jigs in Taylorville, Illinois, uh, where he was a dominant angler, dominant tournament angler, really liked by everybody in the tournament. Well, liked if you like to finish second. And, uh, when I, I kind of started fishing at a higher level, he always would give me bags of jigs. And at Christmas, we'd go home and, and build jigs with them. Uh, long story short, Todd, uh, he got sick this week with pneumonia. And in 72 hours, he went from catching five and six pounders to, uh, to passing away in his late 50s with a, uh, a daughter that he just walked down the aisle a couple months ago and a son who is a uh, senior in high school. So, uh, I say all that to say, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, what's going on in the industry. Uh, I had the opportunity to do the St. Jude Bass Classic up in Minnesota. Uh, and it kind of reminds you that, yeah, it's all about competition too, but we're anglers first and we are a community, uh, and it really puts things into perspective, uh, just to, to realize what is important, uh, when it comes to to fishing and family and the world we live in, so uh, just wanted to give a little a little shout out to Todd. He'd be uh, uh, greatly missed not only in the Central Illinois fishing community, but uh, but to everybody uh, who knew him and especially his family. So, kind of wanted to end the show uh, that way. Uh, looking forward, uh, Logan Parks tomorrow on BTL. He's going to talk about his fishing chaos, uh, high school and college. combination tournament and then also making the elite series and then uh i gotta be honest where i've tried to do a regular week we got to do uncle frank on wednesday again because i got a call i have to see how much i can say about this i'm i will have a shot to catch a 12 to 15 pound largemouth on thursday it was a one-day deal so i moved the show up i called frank i said dude i said i got a shot at a at a double digit fish here this is the only day i can do it's the only day he's got open so I'm going to go fishing on Thursday. So no show, but big shout out to Jordan Lee. Uh, that's all I got for today. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. See ya.